Welcome to another episode of Good Value by Antipodes. When you think of technology and innovation, it's likely software and internet-based businesses or semiconductor companies that come to mind. But in this episode, we're going to show you that technology and innovation can be found in some of the most unlikely places. You're about to hear about electrochromic glass, zero carbon scope one and two glass and plasterboard, decarbonized concrete, even electric vehicle glazing. These are the building materials of the future and they're being developed, manufactured and sold by Saint-Gobain, which is listed in France but has operations all around the globe. Now here's a stat that might surprise you. Building construction accounts for 40% of global carbon emissions. That's more than the transport sector, which includes all the trucks and cars on the road, planes in the air and ships on the seas. With 75% of buildings in Europe considered energy inefficient, Europe is defining minimum energy standards, which will require the renovation rate to triple over the next decade and beyond. It's likely other regions will need to follow to meet their own long-term climate goals. So as pressure on the industry mounts, Saint-Gobain has a big role to play via increasing the energy efficiency of buildings, manufacturing low-carbon products and recycling building materials. More than 70% of the company's turnover already relates to sustainability. Benoit Bazan is the CEO of Saint-Gobain and he's been with the company for more than 24 years. And he's our guest on this episode. Benoit, it's great to have you on the podcast. And I have to admit, I have a real soft spot for Saint-Gobain. And that's not because I'm oddly into building materials. It was actually the very first company I covered as a junior global equities analyst many years ago. Now, this is many, many years ago. Um, and back then, the business was dominated by glass, and that was the manufacture of, of flat glass. But a lot has changed over the years, hasn't it? A lot of things have changed within Saint-Gobain, notably in the last four and five and a half years, because we have changed a lot the group in terms of perimeter and also organization. And for our listeners who, who aren't as familiar with Saint-Gobain, can you provide a high-level overview of your key segments and the key regions in the world where you operate? Perfect. So first, let me highlight our purpose, making the world a better home, and our vision, worldwide leadership in light and sustainable construction. So we operate in 76 countries. If I break down the different product segments, we have 28% of the group on interior solutions, wallboard, insulation, ceilings. We have 18% on exterior solutions, be it glazing, roofing products, cladding, siding. We have 11% on construction chemicals, anything related to decarbonization of concrete, cement, waterproofing applications for membranes. We have 30% of our exposure, which is on merchanting, distributing those products and advising the craftsmen, delivering the logistics, notably in Europe. And we have also 13% on industrial applications to also decarbonize the processes, the products of industrial customers. It could be automotive glazing for electrical cars and other applications. If I highlight also the end markets, we have 50% of our end markets which are driven by renovation of buildings, which is a big thing, as you know, in Europe, but not only. We have 22% on residential new construction. Again, renovation is mostly on residential, but not only. So 20% is on residential new construction. 
15% is on new non-residential applications and 13% is on initial application. So that's the high-level picture of Saint-Gobain. We have, end of last year, 62% of our profit that comes from outside of Western Europe, 30% in North America, 32% in Asia, emerging markets, Latin America, etc., and 38% in Western Europe. So it's a well-balanced geographic exposure in terms of the different regions of the world and uh, altogether, indeed, operating in 76 countries. We are now organized by country. So we have uh, the group driven by country CEOs, which is very much aligned with the local nature of our markets, contractual markets. Also, the fact that we manufacture locally. We have 125 plants in North America servicing the North American market. And the strength of Saint-Gobain, which is unique on top of the full offering, is that 90% of our country CEOs are native from their country. So it makes them very proud, very in tune with their local customers. We have a Polish lady running Poland. We have a, a Mexican manager running Mexico. So that's also a richness of the organization and the structure of Saint-Gobain today. Mm. Now, one of the core elements of the Saint-Gobain investment case is this shift to sustainable construction. And that's where I really want to focus to begin with. So we know that residential, non-residential and building construction accounts for 40% of global carbon emissions. Now, that is a lot. Um, It's even higher than the transport sector, which is really remarkable when you consider all those emissions coming from planes and trucks and cars. Um, And heating and cooling is a big part of the carbon emissions from the building sector. Now, Saint-Gobain's products are critical to achieving climate goals via increasing energy efficiency and also in the manufacture of low-carbon products and recycling building materials. So to start with, can you give some insights into what percentage of your sales helps with energy efficiency and what are some of the key products? Thank you. It's a very important question because indeed we put this topic, these challenges at the core of our strategy. You know, the three main challenges, the CO2 emissions that you mentioned, also the fact that uh, the construction sector takes a lot of natural resources and produces 50% of the solid waste. Plus, we have to deal with fast urbanization. In emerging markets, we'll have to build for 2 billion new inhabitants in the next decade. So it's at the core of a lot of topics. Uh, Truly, the built environment is at the crossroads of the energy crisis, the climate crisis, the social issues to build fast in emerging markets, to retrofit in developed countries. So when you look at the offer and the positioning of Saint-Gobain, we have, we take a broad picture on sustainability, both for the planet, climate change, natural resource preservation, and also for the well-being of the population. And we have close to 75%, 75, 75% of our offer, of our turnover, which is related to sustainability, tackling not only the sustainability, again, for the planet, for the circular economy on natural resources, but also the well-being of the inhabitants. Well-being, it could be, of course, thermal comfort against heat wave in the summer, against cold winter, so energy efficiency indeed, but it could be also acoustic comfort. For instance, we did measure in Europe, in Benelux, that you can relate the acoustic performance in a classroom 
with absenteeism of teachers. So if you are a good school director, you will take care of your teachers so that they are not absent after blood pressure, 15 years of hard work, and the kids will be better educated if they can listen better. So acoustic is also part of the comfort. It could be visual light, of course, in a work environment, air quality, which is the big thing in big cities. So uh, 75% of the offer of Saint-Gobain is related to sustainability for the climate and for the well-being of the population. So it's truly at the core of what we do. And in order also to roll out our vision as worldwide leader in light and sustainable construction, we have a plan and we call it grow and impact. So we measure the impact of our solutions being organized by country. Our country CEOs, they sell not only products one by one, they sell systems, a new facade with aesthetic design, with thermal performance. And it can provide 12, 15 products of Saint-Gobain altogether. And we measure the impact that we give and we deliver to our customers. And of course, the bigger the impact, the higher the growth, because customers will ask for our solutions. And the higher the growth, the more positive impact we'll provide to the planet in terms of sustainability. So this is this virtuous circle of growth and impact that we want to roll out on sustainability with our offer. And are you able to give us some insights into the company's market share in some of these key products in the important geographies and um, perhaps a sense of how competitive the market is? So broadly speaking, if I take uh, Europe and North America, we have between 20-25%, if not above, in terms of market share in our different segments. So we are between number one and number two. If I take all together in North America, we are number one or number two uh, or co-number two in most of our product lines. But when you aggregate, for instance, everything we are doing, roofing, siding, wallboard, ceilings, insulation, then we are number one in building materials for homes in the US. So that's uh, the positioning of Saint-Gobain, around 20-25% market share in each segment in the main countries. After that, it can be higher than that if I take India. India is our number three country uh, for Saint-Gobain in terms of profit. Number one is US. Number two is France. Number three is India. India, we are above 40% market share in flat glass. We are above 50% market share in plasterboard, wallboard. We are now number one in insulation. So it's quite significant. Those markets tend to be concentrated with three, four players, sometimes a bit more fragmented in Europe because you still have family businesses that we are happy to consolidate going forward with Bolton acquisitions sometimes a bit fragmented also in emerging markets, but broadly speaking, some very strong positions still with opportunities to consolidate. I didn't mention Latin America, but we have been in Brazil for more than 80 years. So we are number one in our product lines in, uh, in Brazil. We are also very significant in Mexico. Uh, so overall, some solid positions. And uh, also in terms of share of wallet for the customers, we are very often their number one partner in terms of supply for the main distributors of US market or for the main merchants in, in Europe as well. That's really interesting. While I was preparing for this interview, I mean, I came across a whole host of really interesting statistics. But another one that, that really stood out for me is that 75% of buildings in Europe are considered energy inefficient. Again, that is huge. You know, that is, that is an alarming number. 
And, you know, it suggests that the rate of renovation to increase energy efficiency has to increase a lot to reach Europe's climate goals. And and as you called out earlier in the interview, this is a, a big part of your business. So how big an opportunity is this for you in the coming years? You're absolutely right. We say that close to 90% of the buildings today in Europe will be there in 2050. So in order to reach carbon neutrality, we have to make sure they can be there in terms of carbon neutrality by 2050. So a lot of retrofit has to be done. There is an EU directive which calls for roughly tripling the renovation rate in Europe in the next two or three decades. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's moving quite significantly. The way to do it, and France is quite ahead of that, is to define minimum energy efficiency standards. We have that in the UK, we have that in France, and France and in France, uh, since the beginning of this year, 2023, on any transaction, whether it's for rent, whether it's for sale or buy of a house or apartment, you need to have a diagnosis of energy performance with a grading from A to G. And you already know that if you are G, by 2025, you will not be able, allowed to rent your place by 2025. So you have to renovate. If you are F by 2028, again, you will have to improve your grading on this energy performance scale. So uh, I think it's the smart way to do it. It's moved, moved from the bottom. And we know that in France, we have, for instance, out of the 35 million buildings, we have seven of them which are F or G. So almost you know, 20%. So they have to be renovated and they make 70% of the CO2 emissions in France and you will move uh, the needle by raising the floor to a higher standard. So that's what we see in terms of dynamic in Europe, both on private buildings and also public buildings. So there are programs in various countries on schools, for instance, to have a better energy efficiency for schools. So yes, that's a, a mandate. Uh, it's going to happen progressively because Saint-Gobain, what is unique, that we have the full spectrum of offer. If I take a single-family home renovation in France with 30 products of Saint-Gobain, you can reduce by more than 70% the energy bill and the energy spent in the house. So it will move two or three classes on the energy grade on the energy performance scale. It will be a payback of four years because energy is more expensive than what it used to be four or five years ago when the payback was 10 years. It will improve the real estate value of your house because you will be able to sell it not at a discount in three or five years. And it will be 250 euros per square meter in terms of renovation. So uh, that's how we look at it. And the beauty about Saint-Gobain is not only do we have the full offer, but we are also very present along all the value chain on the R&D, on the manufacturing of on the products, on the merchanting of the products. We have 2,000 outlets in France. We have all the accounts, the craftsmen uh, in France. They have a, an account of, of Saint-Gobain to buy the products, uh, 450,000 craftsmen in France. And we even go to the point of recycling demolition waste because in Europe and in France, you have also more and more regulations, not landfill, but taking back the demolition waste when you renovate a house or a, a public building. So, yes, we touch uh, a lot of the points along the value chain, which makes the presence of Saint-Gobain quite unique. Are 
you seeing similar regulation and stimulus packages in other parts of Europe and perhaps the US, which are also creating a similar kind of demand for your products, um, like what you're seeing in in France? Um, That's my first part of the question. And my second part would be, what are the bottlenecks to achieving these goals? We know regulation is tightening, but there's always bottlenecks. And it'd be great if you could touch on those as well. Sure. So we see similar moves moving up in uh, the rest of Europe. So I mentioned the UK. The Nordic countries are already quite advanced, uh, as well as Germany, but also it's uh, moving in the right direction. Same in Spain, Italy. So all countries in Europe, one way or the other, they have to translate the EU directive into their national uh, billings regulations and to move the needle. So Eastern Europe is getting there also. So all the countries are moving. In the US, it's uh, more country by country. So it's much more fragmented. I would say another angle is more life cycle analysis, sustainability. For instance, in California, you cannot participate in a public bid if you don't have the full life cycle analysis of the products. So that's interesting. And I would say in the US, it starts more on the commercial buildings. You know, if you are Google, um, you need to have a very attractive buildings. It has to have a low carbon content. We participated in the Microsoft headquarters for innovation some years ago in Seattle. You need to have a low carbon offer. And therefore, for instance, our second plant, which will be zero uh, carbon uh, scope one and two on plasterboard will be in Canada. The first one we started in May this year in Norway with hydropower versus gas. The second will be in Canada. So then on commercial real estate, on non-residential buildings, the high end, they are asking for low carbon offer. So it's not so much the energy efficiency, which is the main driver, because energy is much cheaper in US and Canada. It's more the low carbon offer. And you want to be exemplary when you have a new hotel, a new school, new headquarters, and then it will go down through all the ranks of the various buildings. Uh, to your uh, second uh, question on the bottleneck, the bottleneck uh, for us, it's not so much the technical solutions. Because the beauty and the good news in construction sector is that we have the technical solution. If you ask us you know, to provide a passive house in Sydney, in Cincinnati or in Manchester, we know how to do it. Because you have to put uh, you know, PV panels on the roof, you have to put the facade on the north, with a triple glazing, things like that. So we know how to do it. The difficulty is to move a very fragmented, sometimes conservative value chain. The homeowner who is not ready, not convinced, or a bit scared, the craftsmen who are not trained, the architect, uh, the mayor, the city officials who need to deliver the permits, the banks that are not so interested so far on helping on top of your mortgage, helping you to improve your energy efficiency. But I think they have and they will participate in this energy transition or they are going to lose market share if they don't have this kind of commercial offer. So the challenge is more to move this fragmented value chain. And this is why also at Saint-Gobain, having so many touch points along the value chain, we launch at the beginning of the year what we call Observatory of Sustainable Construction. We had sustainability talks in Uh, Paris, we had a second round in New York during the Climate Week last week. I was participating uh, and co-chairing dinners and talks with the New York Times. We'll have the third one, the COP in Dubai. So we try to move the value chain. Sometimes bottleneck is craftsmen. 
and we train, we make sure they go from one generation to the next. We do some mentoring of craftsmen and also we have to make our solutions easy to install. And the fact that we come with, let's say, new partitions with faster, easier to install, less steel frame, uh, 40% less steel frame, so you save on the time to install, on the cost, on the CO2 of steel. Uh, we have to make those solutions easy. We have softwares to help the craftsmen design the right solutions, have the, the right codes. So make it easy to interact with, easy, uh, fast to install. It's part also of the solutions and also document the, the impact, the before and after, how much you saved, how much you improved the decibel in your classroom, how much you save on the energy bill. We have a lot of building science behind Sangaban that can help and give the credibility to all the sector. So there are a lot of things, but it's moving in the right direction, but it's a massive, massive push. You know, when you think of building, it's millions of job sites around the world and it's moving everywhere. You know, I give you just one Example before I stop, we participated on all the Google headquarters in India with our new electrochromic sage glass. It's a, it's a glass that changed from dark to transparent just with electro uh, current inside. And Google wanted to have uh, all the headquarters covered with our electrochromic glass in India. So it's not only Australia, US, Europe that are moving fast, it's also uh, sustainable buildings. You know, there is a code in 2025 in China. Uh, there are uh, discussions and regulation in India. So it's moving everywhere. What are the competitive advantages of St. Gaban's products versus your peers, which could see you take market share in what is a very large and interesting opportunity? You know, the uniqueness of St. Gaban is twofold. First, the fact that we have the largest offering I mentioned, you know, single family home renovation in Europe, we can deliver 30 products. And you need those 30 products from the roof to the installation of the attic, to the double or triple glazing, to the flooring system. And also you need to put them together to provide the credibility that the before and after will indeed deliver the performance. On top of that, in a lot of areas, we train the craftsmen, we design again the solution, even to the point that we measure the before and after so that the craftsman has the, the credibility. So that the u- uniqueness of Saint-Gabin is the full offer. Within that, we are ahead of the curve on low carbon offer. For instance, we launched the first ever worldwide offer of low carbon glass in Europe, France, Spain last year. It's a f- 42% lower CO2 content in the glass, and it has been already installed in France. We launched the first zero scope one and two wall board in Norway with the new plant. The second will be in Canada. So not only do we have the broadest offering, but on top of that, we are one step ahead in terms of low carbon offer. We launched, for instance, the first patented zero cement mortar. If you want to put a render on your facade, tile fixing, zero cement. You know, cement is part of the problem on the CO2 emission. So that's the uniqueness of Saint-Gobain in terms of offering and within that low carbon. Plus, we have this unique organization by country. You know, a lot of our competitors are still by product line. But then, you know, when you run a worldwide set of product lines, one or two or three, it's hard to have your people that are specialized in one product line talk to each other on the ground. We have 
totally reorganized Saint-Gobain uh, four and a half years ago. It used to be organized for decades by product line, uh, a bit driven, I would say, by French managers at the center. Now it's by country and driven by local managers. It's a Vietnamese manager in Vietnam leveraging all the offer of Saint-Gobain. So the ability to know exactly the growth of the different customers, where to attract one channel versus the other, how to talk to architects 18 months before the job site would start. This is the uniqueness of Saint-Gobain. And I can tell you that the ownership of our country CEOs, not only, of course, on the offer and how proud they are, our Indian manager, for instance, participated in the total renovation of the Indian parliament, but also the ownership on the PNL, the accountability for them to drive the results, the margin of Saint-Gobain going forward is, is quite unique. So I'm extremely happy about the energy that it brought to Saint-Gobain. And we have seen it uh, in, the, in the financial performance of Saint-Gobain in the last four and a half years. So it's both offering and organization uh, and uh, innovation, if I think of the, of the low-carbon offer. And I'm going to ask a little bit of a cheeky question. Is it fair to say that gla um, glass wool insulation is a superior product from an ESG perspective versus, say, foam? And what are some of the key properties, you know, if that is true, what are some of the key properties of glass wool that do make it a superior product? Well, you are absolutely right. What is unique about glass wool is, first, of course, the very strong thermal performance, which is at the top. Uh, that's what we need for energy efficiency. What is interesting also is that you have a dual performance with acoustic. So when you have a partition with glass wood and wallboard, you have the thermal and the acoustic performance, which you don't have with foams. Now, the second feature, which is uh, growing important, is the ability to recycle. You cannot recycle oil foams. Uh, because you cannot go back to the original material and property, you can recycle indefinitely glass wool. So it has by far the best life cycle analysis of any insulation materials. And to give you already some examples, across all Europe, we have 70%, 70% of recycled materials in our glass wool offer. If I take even a plant in Ottawa, Canada, it's 88%. So the best life cycle analysis makes it totally unique and completely different versus polyurethane versus EPS, polystyrene type of foam. Of course, it has a very strong fire resistance, which you don't have also with plastic foams. And last but not least, which is very important to us because as we have heard, renovation is a big market. Glass wool is the best product for renovation because As you know, we have all buildings in Europe. They are not, uh, not at all uh, straight walls. So with glass wool rolls, you can shape it in all kinds of uh, uh, geometries. Uh, you can have blowing wool. If you want to renovate your attic, you just blow uh, glass wool flakes. Uh, so the ability to flex, uh, to shape glass wool in all kinds of directions, curved, etc., makes it unique for innovation, which is a very important uh, market for energy efficiency. So a lot of very positive features of glass wool way beyond just the thermal performance, which is, of course, very good. Now, you mentioned um, a moment ago about uh, Saint-Gobain being ahead in terms of low-carbon glass. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you're the only manufacturer in the world to offer um, zero carbon of scope one, zero carbon glass on scope one and scope two emissions. And that's where I'd sort of like to steer the conversation now. Um, you know, 
yes, you, you're exposed to these very interesting trends around energy efficiency of buildings, but you're exposed to other trends around a growing need for your customers to decarbonize their own processes and products. And you called out cement a little bit earlier um, and a growing need for more sustainable construction. So can you expand on some of the solutions you offer and how you see this part of the business um, driving revenue and earnings growth? No, it's a very important question and, and a fascinating world because indeed we have on top of our local organization, we have some global business lines that are driven by a sustainability imperative for our end customers. One example indeed is all the investment we have made on what we call construction chemicals, and it does represent 11% of our total turnover, so it's 5.5 billion euros. And there we have what we call admixtures, additives that help decarbonize cement and concrete. We know that concrete, they make just themselves alone, 6% of the world's CO2 emissions. When you put additives, admixtures in concrete, and it's 1% or 2% of the composition, you can substitute cement into the concrete formulation by slag, by fly ash, by other materials less carbonated, while keeping, of course, the mechanical properties, the workability properties that you need in your job site for concrete in terms of aesthetics, in terms of uh, mechanical resistance. So it's a very interesting feature. You can drop by three or four times the CO2 content in a cubic meter of concrete. So we have uh, invested a lot. We have uh, spent 4 billion euros with two acquisitions, Kaizo, which was a growth gem um, that we bought in 2021, uh, the top notch in terms of margin and innovation in the sector, and we added Grace Construction Products. It was a takeover in the US in late uh, 22, uh, which now provides us with a worldwide footprint on construction chemicals. So that's one example where we help the concrete players, the contractors, uh, to have low carbon tunnel, bridges, and buildings around the world. The second area, which is very interesting, is on automotive glazing. We are with a very significant market share of glazing for electrical cars. We were for a long time the number one supplier and the only supplier of the one uh, player you know that started fast on electrical cars. Yes. You know what I mean. <laughs> Does and, it start with a T? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it's uh, it's now 35-40% market share that we have on electrical cars that do require a special glazing because it has to be low weight so that you don't uh, spoil the mileage of the car with heavy uh, weight. But you have to have a perfect acoustic because uh, acoustic is very important in an electrical car. You don't hear the thermal engine. Uh, you need coatings, very special coatings on the roof so that you don't uh, take... Uh, a lot of the energy from the battery just on the air conditioning. So it does require a lot of features and we are unique for that. Another example is what we have in our specialty materials within those high-performance solutions on ceramics. Uh, ceramics, we make specialty ceramics for glass furnaces, for packaging, uh, glass packaging, for, for flat glass. And those refractories for glass, uh, for you know, the LCD screens, they can save 7, 8, 10% on the energy consumption of those glass furnaces. So when you are a manufacturer for LCD screens, for your iPhone, for big TV screen, you want to lower the carbon content and we help with the design and the composition of high-specialty ceramics. And then some new applications, 
for instance, we have been asked to provide ceramic beads to extract lithium, uh, lithium for batteries. You have specialty applications where you can have ceramic beads that have exactly uh, the composition, the size of the lithium atomic um, shape, and therefore you trap the lithium atom in your ceramic beads. After that, you wash them versus just wait 18 months to evaporate lithium in a desert of Bolivia. So, of course, you save a lot of cost and productivity and time when you do that. A lot of fascinating applications on ceramics. I could even mention, I could go on and on because it's uh, sometimes we have the impression to be at the head of a startup. A green chemistry, you need new catalysts for green chemistry. It's not the same than the chemical uh, you know, re reaction from the past. And green chemistry does require new catalysts, new ceramic beads for those catalysts. So a lot of applications that are driven by innovation and sustainability for initial processes or customers. I mean, it would be so surprising to many of our listeners um, just how much innovation is going on inside a building materials company. Um, it's quite remarkable. And, you know, just to call out just what you were talking about in EVs alone, as a consumer, if I'm driving an EV or a traditional internal combustion engine car, you know, it wouldn't occur to me that the glass needs to be different, um, you know, for an electric vehicle. So there, there is a lot of interesting things happening inside your business. Now, one topic we haven't discussed yet is the weaker housing market, and that's due to higher mortgage rates. And it is something that is worrying uh, markets or certainly equity markets. How is this impacting your business? So indeed, because of the inflation, interest rates went up around the world. After that, the impact varies quite a lot country by country. The negative impact for us is in Western Europe, where we have, if I take new-built Western Europe, it's 12% of our sales. I mentioned that new-built residential is 22%, so 12 out of 20 is Europe. That's where, as we speak today, there is a negative impact because of interest rates. More important in Germany, in Sweden, where they were more on floating rates, so the impact is more significant. In North America, I think we have uh, uh, come down a bit in the last 12 months, but we are on the floor now, so we don't expect uh, you know, uh, that to come down further. Uh, there is 1.4 million housing starts. It was uh, 1.6 uh, 18 months ago, but you know, we come from uh, 1, 1 1.1 in the last uh, 8 to 9 years, and we know the market needs 1.5. Uh, so North America, I'm not worried about that going forward. The activity is pretty good. And one thing to keep in mind is that in all countries, be it in Europe or in the US, there is a lack of supply of housing. So if I take the US, we need at least 4 million housing, more than what is on the market today. So there is a catch-up versus the population ask. The reset on the mortgage rate in the US has been done already in the minds of homeowners. So they are building. There is not a lot of home sales, and therefore you need of existing home sales, so therefore you need a new house in order to move in. We don't see that in Europe yet in terms of reset on the mortgage rate. We might see it in the second half of 24, but I think in Europe, for the next 12 to maybe 18 months, we will still have a low new housing market. Again, it's 12% of our total sales. In the rest of the world, in Latin America, we have been... Uh, at that kind of floor for the last two years, it's picking up in Brazil. 
In India, it's moving positively quite fast. So it varies. But the negative is, again, on Western Europe, new built, even though here also in France, in the UK, we lack housing. US, we are, I think, moving up already from where we are. And the rest of the world, again, it's just the population growth is, is massive. So it, it varies. But you're right that interest rates have had an impact on some markets for new built in the, in the last month and, and for some months to come in Western Europe. So while new builds have been relatively weaker, your renovation business has been more resilient and has kept things ticking over. But on a longer term basis, can you delve a bit more into broader housing demand relative to where supply has been? Are you seeing housing shortages build in any markets? Sure, absolutely. The big picture of Sangba, we are targeting, and that's uh, the, the target and the commitment we took at our capital market day in the fall of 2021, a 3 to 5% organic growth for the next years. And driven by renovation in Europe, if I highlight the main key points, renovation in Europe where we need to progressively double, triple the rate, more new built in the rest of the world. Uh, if I take... North America, population growth, Canada, you know, we have a huge immigration in Canada, a bit like in Australia, you have a huge immigration, we have 500,000 new migrants in Canada, even though if I take all North America, we have 50% renovation as a business, but still, there is a lot of new construction because of the population growth, and same around the world in terms of all the new population in emerging markets on big cities we need to build. So, new construction around the world, more renovation rate in Western Europe, and altogether a 3 to 5% organic growth in terms of top line. Mm. Now, Benoit, final question. It is impressive that Saint-Gobain is investing to achieve climate goals without sacrificing shareholder returns. And, and that really shows that ESG and profitability aren't mutually exclusive. So what are the key financial metrics and targets? You touched on, on growth um, just a moment ago, but what are the, those key financial metrics and targets investors should be paying attention to? So what we highlighted at our Capital Market Day is this top line I just mentioned, 3 to 5% organic growth. Second, a margin performance, operating profit of 9 to 11%. And the last two years, 21, 22, we were double-digit margin, this year target is another year of double digit margin, so on the high side of the range. Return on capital employed, 12 to 15%, ROCE. We have been at 15% and above in the last two years, 16% in 2022. And also a cash conversion above 50% and a dividend payout between 30 and 50%. We increased by 50% the dividend in the last two years. So those are the high level financial figures in terms of top line, margin, double for three years in a row, so very consistent delivery, return on capital employed and cash. And if I look at Saint-Gobain in the last four years, we doubled the earnings per share. So we have been on a good financial trajectory, even if it was not a walk in the park. You know, if you take the last three years, we had COVID, we had energy inflation, we have, uh, unfortunately, the war in Ukraine, we had supply chain disruption, but nonetheless, Saint-Gobain has shown a superb consistency in terms of execution on the results. And I can tell you that for me, what is important is a very clear 
strategic swimming lane. I know you yes. love uh, you know, swimming in, in Australia. And That's you, a perfect I'm sure analogy. You will, you will win in the Olympics a lot of gold medal in Paris in 2024. <laughs> so a fantastic swimming lane on strategy, aligning the purpose of Saint-Gobain, making the world a better home and uh, worldwide leadership in light and sustainable construction, a clear swimming lane on financials, I just highlighted that, and also a very strong swimming lane in terms of organization by country with a huge ownership to drive the performance going forward. Mm -hmm. Benoit, that was fantastic. So thank you so much for your time today. And and it really does look like Saint-Cobain is well positioned to benefit from these trends around climate change and a need to decarbonize construction and industry. And, you know, looking further out, some interesting trends and dynamics around housing shortages. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can get an alert when the next episode goes live in a few weeks. For further information on Antipodes, head to our website, antipodes.com, and you can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. The content in this podcast is general information only. It is not advice of any kind and doesn't take into account your personal financial situation, objectives or needs. You should seek professional advice before making any financial decisions. Stock commentary is illustrative only and not a recommendation to buy, hold or sell any security.